Shalom, my friends. Jim Martin coming to you once again with a message from God's Word. I pray that you are very much aware of God's presence, His sovereignty in your life and in our world and universe, regardless of the circumstances and what we see going on in the world today. I just pray that that the Lord would certainly make himself strong in your life as we consider what he's doing and what his plan is, what his purpose. And Lord, just help us this morning to focus on you. Pray with me. Lord God, we come to you in Jesus' name. You are the master and creator and sustainer of the universe. We need you, Lord. And we serve you. We seek to honor and glorify you in all things. I pray that you would teach us from your servants, Daniel and his associates, and that we would be encouraged and strengthened in our resolve and in our really in our surrender to you absolute total surrender to you i do believe that's the basis for these three men's choice back in antiquity now lord we just submit ourselves to you this morning thank you for hearing us pray for we've done so with great gratitude and praise in our hearts in jesus name amen daniel chapter 3 last week we looked at the troubling dream that nebuchadnezzar the king of babylon experienced uh, and he was troubled to the extent that he was threatening annihilation of all of his cadre of counselors and uh, the people who were called wise men, magicians. And he demanded that they not only interpret the dream he had had, but to tell him what that dream was. We don't know if that Nebuchadnezzar had actually forgotten what he dreamed because of the trauma of it, or that he was using this as a test. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was a despotic and cruel and an impulsive dictator. He was also shrewd. And so we see that God raised up Daniel, who had been given the Babylonian name of Belteshazzar. He raised up Daniel to reveal the truth of that dream. And the truth of the dream was, and, and if you'll recall last week, it was the image, the vision of a, a huge statue which had a variety of compositions of the body parts, the head being gold, the trunk or the torso of this statue uh, being made of silver, and then the legs of bronze, and then the feet of a mixture of iron and clay. And Daniel recounted that vision uh, because he had been given it by God who of course sent the vision to Nebuchadnezzar in the first place. So God also shared that 
image and its meaning with his servant Daniel. So when Daniel heard that the council of counselors, the, the cadre of counselors was about to be slaughtered, he said, wait a minute, let's ask the source of all this troubling dream, let's ask him what's going on, what he's trying to, what message he's trying to convey. And ultimately, he's, uh, Daniel correctly re related that, yes, there are kingdoms set up in this world. Uh, Babylonian kingdom was the one that they were serving under at that time. And then there would be the Medo-Persian Empire, and then the Greeks and the Romans and so on and so forth. But then this giant boulder that came out of a mountain came and smashed them all and set up uh, an everlasting kingdom and we know that's the kingdom of God that that live that exists forever it exists right now we're not waiting for it we're living in it but the region of the kingdom of God we're living in happens to be 21st century Babylon so what do we do okay the king Nebuchadnezzar at the when he received the interpretation of the dream, praised Daniel. He not only praised Daniel, but he gave praise to Jehovah God and uh, elevated and promoted Daniel and his friends. Well, he got over that, apparently, because in chapter 3, we see that he actually set up a giant statue, uh, a great graven image covered in gold, 90 feet high, 90 feet tall on the plains there at Susa. He actually commanded through his counselors, who apparently now are restored, get the message out. Uh, let's, let's have a party. And the party is to honor me, to make sure that everybody rec recognize that I, Nebuchadnezzar, am divine. So in, in order for them to show that they honor me and rever me as a divine being, when they hear the music playing, then they are to fall on their faces and worship the statue. Well, all well and good, right? Unless you're a Jew and are expressly forbidden by God to do such a thing. And in that case, wow, we just can't do that, can we? Because God has very explicitly commanded us to have no other gods before him and to not make any graven images, not to worship any idols. I think uh, you and I here in 21st century at Babylon better understand and remember that, that there is one true God. You and I are not him, neither is anybody else on this earth, and we must worship him and him alone. Okay, the choice was before these men. Now, we're not going to go through Daniel chapter 3. It's, it's, again, quite long and at times a little tedious because the words are repeated over and over again. Now, if you were, are a keen student of Old Testament literature, of, of the literature of the ancient East, you will see that this is a, it's called a chiasm or a, an inverted parallelism, the way this is written. And you'll see that what to us Westerners appears to be a tedious repetition is actually 
there on purpose. It's, it's all bringing to a point, to an apex, what God wants us to learn. And the apex here is that we must choose. Now, Daniel is not in this particular story. His friends, Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael, are in this story. Uh, of course, we know them by their Babylonian names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that's not what the, their godly names were. As a matter of fact, the Chaldeans who were on the board of directors of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom knew that these Jewish men would not bow down, and they observed that when the music started playing, these guys did not bow. They didn't bow to the statue. They didn't worship the statue or the man that it represented. They stood their ground. And so the Chaldean counselors, being jealous and spiteful, made this known to the king. And he was enraged. He said, if anybody doesn't bow down to the statue representing me, then that person will be thrown into the fiery furnace. Okay, we know that. This is a story that's told in Sunday school to children uh, from an early age. They all know the story of the fiery furnace. I mean, songs and vacation Bible school programs have been written around this whole incident. But indeed, Nebuchadnezzar was a... Um, oh, I, can we call him bipolar? Uh, can we call him uh, manic-depressive? My goodness, when he was in his, his uh, manic moods, you better watch out. He, he was going to slaughter whoever didn't obey him. So that was the question. He brought these three men, Ananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. He brought them in and said, Look, uh, I've, got, I've heard this report about you. Here, here's your opportunity to show your loyalty to me. And of course, they very respectfully said, King Nebuchadnezzar lived forever, but we're not going to do that. The king well knows. You know very, very well that we worship the Most High God, Jehovah. And we cannot bow. He says, do you not know that I have the authority to throw you into that furnace and that no, no human, no supernatural being can save you from that? And we know their response. Be that as it may, O King, our God is able to deliver us. But if he chooses not to, then we still will not bow to your statue. This made Nebuchadnezzar so angry that he ordered the furnace fired up seven times beyond its normal intensity. And he commanded these men to be, th be bound with ropes and thrown into the furnace. And it was so. In fact, the, the king's command was so urgent, it says in Daniel chapter 3, that, that he was reckless and that, that the people feared him so that 
the executioners that were to throw the men into the furnace, as they were doing so, they were killed. They were burned up. They were incinerated by the blast coming out of this furnace. And so we know how horrible a sight this must have been. Did they actually themselves fall into the furnace? We don't know. Uh, all the Bible says is that they themselves were killed. But Nebuchadnezzar had a seat, box office seat, to view this whole affair. He wanted to see the results. He, I think he was waiting to see the flames consume these three men who defied his orders. Instead, he saw them walking around in the furnace, unbound, and not only that, there was a fourth entity, person, in the furnace with these men. You know this story. There is a, a debate that continues through the centuries, even to this day, about who this fourth person was. Was it a theophany? Was it an angel? Was it Jesus and his pre-incarnate image and self? We don't know. Uh, we like to think of that. Images have been drawn of, in fact, they represent Jesus there in the, in the furnace with his men. We don't know. We know that it was God's protector. And that protector took human form and was counseling these three men. This so troubled Nebuchadnezzar that he recognized straight away that there is a God, and he was not him. And this got him to call out to the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out, come out. And they did. And they were thoroughly and in detail examined. And it was found that there was no evidence of fire on them. The only thing was that the ropes with which they were bound had been destroyed. But there's there's no smell of smoke. There's no evidence of flame. They were perfectly intact. And this very examination led to Nebuchadnezzar's repeated praise for the God of heaven and his promotion of his servants, of God's servants, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, promoted them to be able to serve this despotic pagan king with integrity and excellence. They were given the opportunity because they chose to trust God, to trust God, be obedient to him, and allow him to determine the outcome. Well, God be praised. Do you think this kind of thing can't be done today? Do you think that in 21st century that we won't see people persecuted to the death and threatened with death? I mean, we see a microcosm of that in our own country today. We see people refusing to, in this case, re receive a COVID vaccination. They have their reasons, and I'm not going to jump into that debate. But look at the consequences. 
These people are being fired. They're not allowed to work in spite of the fact that we are in desperate straits for people to work, to any, even in the hospitals and in the health care facilities. Those that refuse to take the vaccine are being dismissed or they're being, they're being required to do unreasonable things. Now, to be sure, uh, from the governments or the, uh, the authorities over them, from their standpoint and their uh, frame of reference, this is, these are simply to protect the rest of the population. But the consequences of disobedience, of standing one's ground for conviction, or can be severe. Now, my friends, we have got to get serious about this. We do. We have to get very serious about this. The time has come when we have to establish what our convictions are. And I urge you, my friends, establish your convictions on the Word of God. Not on your personal preferences or your political alliances. Establish your convictions on the Word of God. These are absolute convictions that you will not violate even in the threat of, of loss. And God may, may choose ultimately for His glory that you would suffer for not doing wrong. Okay? But you, gotta, you have to base your convictions on God's Word. That's my message to do. That's the message of Daniel chapter 3. Are we listening? Are we going to follow Jesus? I will follow. Follow Jesus. Are you going to do that? My friends, pray with me. Father God, we come to you once again in Jesus' name. Thank you for the testimony of, of Hananiah, Hazariah, and Mishael. Thank you for the testimony of Daniel, your servant. And Lord, may it help us to strengthen our resolve to fall before you and you alone and follow you even to the, to the point of loss if that's what you're leading us to do. But Lord, help us to get serious about this, to, to know your word and to base our lives and our convictions on your word, to raise up our children and counsel our grandchildren to know you intimately and personally and to follow you as you lay out the path before us, to follow you on your righteous path for your namesake. These things we ask with thanksgiving and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, my friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. We'll talk to you next week.